Today on the Future Ready podcast, I will be interviewing John Fabricatori, who's a former ICE agent, has a very expansive career handling illegal immigration and border security, and now he is running for Congress. Dennis Michael Lynch gives you his word, and he will never let you down. He will always fight for America. The only one who really puts his money where his mouth is, is Dennis Michael Lynch. Hey, everybody. It's Denny here today in the studio. Uh, We have a future-ready interview for all of you. And and as I said, we're interviewing John Fabricatori, who has a great extensive career in handling illegal immigration, the border crisis. Uh, He worked for ICE, and now he's running for Congress. I mean, his whole career spans around 30-plus years, so he has incredible insight. But before we jump into the interview, which you're all going to love, I uh, just want to let you know on our current CBD deal, which is a one-day BOGO for DML CBD Premier Tinctures. Just one day. It's a leap year special. Uh, so if you're going to want to jump on it, you're going to have to jump on it today before midnight. Uh, we just got our tinctures actually finally restocked. So this is your chance. The next time there's a BOGO, it's probably going to be later on in March when we do site-wide. But if you're ready to jump on it now, uh, today's the day. So go to dmlcbd.com slash deals. It'll be right there. And uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoy this interview. It's going to be a great one. All right, John Fabricatori, thank you so much for joining us. And I would just want to give our audience a quick uh, display of your background and, and everything you've done in your entire career. Uh, so I know you're a retired member of the Senior Executive Service, a former field office director for uh ICE, you know, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, uh, including enforcement removal operations. But before ICE, you served four years in the Air Force uh, as a security police and security force member. Uh, Then you led a career in FPS as a police officer for GSA, where you worked on the New York Terrorist Trials Operation Command in New York City before going to Denver to then work on the Oklahoma City uh, bombing trials then working two years as an INS agent in Denver. I, I mean, I know there's more here too. I know you're also running for Congress, which I want to get um, later on into the show about. Uh, but is there anything I missed there that you would like to tell more to our audience about your career or anything else? I, I, I served 24 years with ICE after INS turned into ICE, and, and I retired as the field office director for all of Colorado and Wyoming, which is a senior executive position. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, retired last year in, in July and, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, still working on immigration stuff. Didn't think I was going to be in, in retirement. But, you know, with everything that's that's going on in our, our, our country, it's, uh, you know, a, a lot of people have a lot of questions and I have answers. Well, look, you know, with, with this long spanning career, I almost want to just kind of start right off the bat. Um, you know, you have seen, obviously, through that evolution of how uh, fallen our system has become, both for immigration and even just border security. So I may just start it right off. Is our immigration system and border security at an absolute low compared to what you have seen in, in prior administrations? Yeah, you know, it, it's a chaotic mess right now. Uh, you know, look, look, I, I've worked, you know, for immigration related stuff since President Clinton. And, uh, you know, every every president has had their spin on how they wanted to enforce immigration law, you know, with some presidents going pretty heavy into it, other presidents not as much. But but this administration absolutely is the worst when it comes to immigration enforcement and what they've allowed to happen. 
And, you know, with, with that too, right? Because a, a lot of people who maybe not are not in that career field, but also just not following as strongly, I think they have this mindset that it's mostly uh, people coming from Central America and South America. And there's no doubt, but as we've seen, especially in this past year and two years alone, uh, what do you uh, maybe have a prescription of the percentages of different illegal immigrant nationalities that we're seeing coming over the border? You know, I, I don't have percentages uh, in front of me, you know, but but what I do know is is there's a lot more exotic, not from Mexico type uh, people coming from all over the world. I mean, just to give just to give examples, I've been down to the border eight times since I retired, been to Lukeville, uh, Arizona, a couple of times to uh, the port down there. And, you know, within 30 minutes of, of entering the Organ Pipe National Monument, I was running into people from Sudan, from Somalia, from Syria, from Mali, from Nigeria, Iraq, Egypt, uh, you, you know, people from from, you know, further South American countries. So it's not just Mexicans coming over the border. We're, we're seeing groups of Chinese enter. We're seeing people from India enter. So, you know, the, the, the problem is that the borders, the border's been known as being open. So the minute that this this administration came in office, President Biden comes in, he tries to put a hundred day moratorium down on deportations. You know, he gets rid of remain in Mexico. You know, all of those things signal to the cartels, signal to human trafficking organizations that the border is open for business and it magnetized illegal immigration. And that's what we're seeing now. We're not just seeing people from Mexico coming over. We are actually seeing people from all over the world enter enter through our southern border and northern border, by the way. Right. And northern border. That's true. And uh, I, I definitely have a question here coming up regarding uh, Chinese illegal aliens specifically. But I think a very big question that has kind of jumped onto everyone's mind, uh, like you said, you know, from Egypt, from the Middle East, from from countries that you would never think would be having people coming over here. Uh, I guess the big question is, well, who is funding this travel? Because it's not, uh, there wasn't just some kind of monumental uh, world event where they're all just, you know, coming uh, and shuffling through. I mean, it's so organized and by design. I think people raise the question, well, who is funding this? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And, you know, there are a lot of answers to that. So, you know, uh, the UN partially OIM, uh, you know, we are we, we're seeing a lot of migration being helped and funded by that organization. Uh, you know, the, the, the problem is, you know, people are actually being pushed to migrate. So you're seeing it all over Europe. I mean, you, you know, you're, you're seeing what's happening in Italy. You're seeing what's happening in, in Europe. So, you know, we're not the only country feeling the effects of this mass migration that, that that's happening. And, uh, you know, it is it's definitely my belief that that the U.N. is, is helping with that. I mean, they're you know, they're definitely facilitating in, in certain ways. You know, they're offering a lot of, uh, of of aid and help to the migrants as they as they come up through different countries. But 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 look, I, at the bottom of this, it's the cartels and it's the criminal, it's the transnational uh, criminal organizations that are getting rich off this. I mean. You know, a lot of these NGOs are getting rich, too, but the cartels are making billions of dollars off of this human trafficking. And as we know, it's not like the cartels are a very friendly organization by any means. I mean, we see stories of, of, of young women raped. We see people being assaulted. I mean, it is a brutal process. And yet everyone kind of questions, well, who is funding this and then allowing like this to actually happen to the people coming over? But what I think is scary, too, is that... Uh, you know, uh, for those that are not informed, you know, they always think it's just these migrant families, but we are seeing 
a lot of young military aged men, especially in these last two years, coming in in, in single files. Um, and I, that's why I kind of want to jump to about um, you know Chinese illegals specifically, um, based on what I found, and I'm sure you have even better knowledge to it. If you look at three years ago, like around 2021, we were only getting maybe a few hundred, but that number has exponentially rise to like a, a thousand tenfold percentage. Um, you know, why why specifically maybe are Chinese illegal aliens uh, coming to the U.S.? Is it something regarding the regime in China, or is it specific to the regime wanting to assist them to come over here? Uh, like, why has it been such a giant splurge on that front with Chinese illegal aliens? You know what? I think we can look at this and, 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 and we can look at it in two ways. OK, there are definitely people coming over from China that are trying to escape a regime. I mean, look what they went through during covid being shut down, being held uh, hot, pretty much hostage in, in, in their homes. So there are definitely some people escaping that. But but look, let's not let's not think anything else that the CCP is definitely putting some people into those groups to come into the United States and do some nefarious things. You know, China does not have our best interests in mind. So, you know, while, while you may see some of these groups coming in that are, you know, legitimately seeking amnesty because they want to get away from China, within those groups are definitely going to be people trained by the CCP to come into the United States and, uh, like I said, be subversive. And, you know, especially with how you just mentioned it, where when they are coming over, I think a very almost specified problem uh, specifically to China, but now uh, at least with reports in Mexico with certain labs is the fentanyl crisis and how it is literally almost, I mean, people think it's more of a, uh, your typical drug dealer selling uh, maybe a little bag of cocaine to a kid and that's where it is. But I mean, it is, but now it's been infiltrated in, um, you know, sleeping pills, opioids. I mean, it is, it's festered in a way to a point where, um, it's virtually in every state and unsafe. So, you know, how involved would you say, based on your experience, are the cartels now with facilitating that fentanyl trade with the Chinese? And can you maybe just even broaden the scope for our audience of how bad the fentanyl crisis has actually become? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, last September, uh, I marched with 700 parents in D.C., parents who lost their children to fentanyl. We marched from the Washington Monument to the White House, uh, grieving parents who had lost, you know, young kids to the fentanyl crisis. And these were not addicts. These were young kids who had taken, a, you know, a half a pill, a pill in college, thinking it was totally something else and, and died, died from one time. Um, we got to the White House. No one from this administration showed up to even talk to those parents. So, you know, fentanyl is a huge problem. It's killing, you know, over 70,000 people a year in this country. And it's being facilitated by China. China sells the precursors to the Mexican cartels. The Mexican cartels are controlling the trade of fentanyl into the United States. 90% of the fentanyl that comes into the U.S. is coming in through the Mexican cartels. There are There is some that, that, that that's coming across through, through mail drops and some other things coming over from China that way through, through the dark web. But predominantly, most of the fentanyl coming over is coming up across the border. It is being, you know, bought from the Chinese. The Chinese sell the precursors to the, the Mexican cartels. The Mexican cartels produce the pills, and they're selling that, uh, bringing that up into the United States. And, you know, again, making billions off of fentanyl sales, making billions off of U.S. citizens dying, and they're also making billions off of human smuggling. So right now, the cartels are just 
You know, they look, they, they've got a multi-layered plan here on, 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 on a business model. You know, they're, they're bringing in drugs and they're bringing in humans. So, you know, why, why would they stop? Why would they stop with as much money as they're making? You're right. I mean, it, it's become crazy in, in the sense of how incentivized they have become to, you know, uh, obviously facilitate this because the accountability, especially on our, our government's part, has just been almost eradicated. Um, you know, I, I mean, you're very familiar with Denver and New York City, um, and both of those cities have become flooded with illegal aliens and those, you know, trying to uh, pose themselves as migrants. And we've seen how crime has become almost unmanageable in a lot of these cities. So, and then obviously how we just talked about with fentanyl, there's definitely a cloud of hopelessness. I think a lot of American citizens are feeling right now with this issue as if they're just not being heard by their leaders. Um, you know, with, with your experience, uh, what would you say are some ways American citizens can incentivize their leaders to end specifically sanctuary city policies? Is it just a matter of voting them out? Is it a matter of, you know, um, formed protest? And do you believe that if we did start stripping away these sanctuary city statuses, would we see maybe at least a drop in the crime that's happening? Absolutely, we would see a drop in the crime that's happening. Look, I am 1000% against sanctuary policies. Sanctuary policies do nothing for United States citizens. They harm United States citizens. All sanctuary policies do are, is protect criminal illegal aliens. Now, you know, the left will tell you that we put sanctuary policy in place to protect immigrants. Immigrants don't need protection from ICE because they're immigrants. They're here legally. <laughs> okay. ICE isn't going looking for immigrants. They're looking for illegal aliens who have committed crimes predominantly because ICE has very, uh, you know, specific amount of bed space. So they actually go looking for criminal aliens. To give you an example, here in Denver, we have sanctuary policy. The policies here in Denver do not allow an ICE agent to enter a courthouse in the state of Colorado. ICE agents are not allowed to enter courthouses. Number two, it disallows probation, probation to give information to ICE about people who are being released from prison that are illegal aliens and being put on probation. How does that help immigrants, as the left says. It doesn't. It's only protecting criminals that ICE would then go out and pick up and deport. It's not helping immigrants. And it's, it's, it's that way throughout the country. Everywhere you look that has sanctuary policy, those policies are releasing criminals back into the community. And I testified to Congress in July that when you have a criminal alien, someone who has committed more than just an immigration crime, they've actually committed a criminal crime in the U.S. and been convicted and been convicted. On average, they average about four convictions apiece. So you know that they're going out and they're going back into the communities and they're committing crimes. So that's exactly what sanctuary policies do. They harm United States citizens. Citizens need to rise up and get rid of anyone that is for sanctuary policy and put people in place that are going to get rid of it to protect our communities and make us safer. All right. So this is where if you want to watch the rest of the Future Ready interview, you're going to have to be a Team DML member. You're going to want to see the rest of it. Uh, we're making an exclusive as most of our Future Ready interviews will be. So if you're a Team DML member, great. If not, this is where we depart. 
Get the Dennis Michael Lynch podcast every day by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And download the DML News app from the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store for breaking news, merchandise, films, exclusive content, and team DML.